Hello, my friends, and welcome again to the Deeper Daily Podcast for the 13th day of February. I'm Paul. Glad you're with me. And we have arrived in Luke chapter 9 at the famous story of the Transfiguration. Well, I just did a sermon on this that will actually air this coming weekend because we just passed Transfiguration Sunday. And so I spent some time with this text dealing with the the encounter that Jesus has on the top of the mountain that we now call Mount Transfiguration with Moses and Elijah. Uh, the, there's no indication in the text that he's with ghosts, uh, but rather Moses and Elijah. And I'm not trying to say that they were in the same form uh, as Peter, James, and John, who are at the top of that mountain. How about we read a couple verses that'll get us get us into this and I'll talk about it from a sermon perspective, and, and we'll start over the next few days, because this is one that'll take a few to work on this passage. Beginning in Luke 9, 28, now it came to pass about eight days after these sayings that he took Peter, John, and James and went up on the mountain to pray. As he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered, and his robe became white and glistening. And behold, two men talked with him who were Moses and Elijah. I, again, it doesn't say two men that look like Moses and Elijah. It doesn't say two spirits uh, or they thought they'd seen a ghost that looked like Moses and Elijah. But Luke presents it as it is Moses and Elijah. But he also presents it that the appearance of Jesus was altered, his robe white and glistening. And so that sets us up for the fact by by telling us that Jesus doesn't look like he normally looks, it lets us know that probably neither does Moses and Elijah. And how would Peter, James, and John know that it was Moses and Elijah? So there's something about them, something about their appearance that let them know, or perhaps the conversation that Jesus has with them leads them to believe or lets them know that he's dealing with Moses and Elijah. Well, from a sermon perspective, you like to look at this as a a moment of hope because that's what sermons are supposed to be about. You deliver the gospel, you deliver hope, you give people good news, you give them a reason to leave that sermon and believe that things can be better. Well, what do you do with transfiguration if you're not going to show it as the possibility of our own transfiguring? Otherwise, it's just this historical event that you are asked to either believe or not, your choice, in which Jesus transforms into a ball of light and Moses and Elijah vanish and then Jesus is left alone. And we can make a lot of spiritual principles out of it, but at the end of the day, it's just okay. What a story. Um, Look to Jesus only. There's nobody else to listen to. And while we've got to cover that, to me, if you'll land on hope, you'll land on the fact that transfiguration is possible for all of us. Paul would say that we are transformed. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. We all with an unveiled face behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. It's the Greek word metamorpho from which we derive the word metamorphosis. And that's the same word that's used here in our text in Luke chapter 9 in which Jesus is transfigured. Um, we... We, we see the word appear, the same word in another gospel account that appears in Second Corinthians. But that's what's happening in this moment, is the transfiguring of Christ. 
so because of that, because that word exists as it describes what happens to Jesus, and then that word is used by the Apostle Paul as a word as the possibility of what can happen to us, then what it lets us know is that we are all being invited in, just like Peter, James, and John, to travel up the mountain and to transfigure with Christ. And if that's the case, not only is it hopeful that transfiguration is possible, meaning I can be different, I can change, there is hope, but it also means that we are not the agent of change because we don't see transfiguration as a place where Jesus goes and squeezes his eyes and clenches his fists and then this buildup happens and then boom, an explosion and he becomes this thing. And we don't see him coming down with a list of things that you should do if you want your own transfiguration. And whenever Peter, and we'll get to this, interjects about what he thinks they ought to do now that they're there, we find that Peter's entirely wrong because Peter's thinking entirely in the natural instead of the spiritual. He's being secular instead of being sacred. Well, the secular way would be to emulate this somehow, copycat this somehow, change by effort. But the sacred way would be to realize that we are transfigured in the same way that the Lord is transfigured. As Paul would write, we're being transformed or we're being transfigured into the image from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. So in summation, I would say this. This to me is hope. We don't transfigure ourselves. It's the role of the Holy Spirit to do the transfiguring. It's Jesus goes to the mountain and the Father shows Peter, James, and John who Jesus really is. But it's the Father that does it. And the contrast between who Jesus is and who Moses and Elijah are are not necessarily spiritually obvious because Peter doesn't catch it. But they, it ought to be obvious, so much so that before it's over with, the only one left standing is Jesus, and the only one we're supposed to be listening to is Jesus. And so a lot can be made of the individual components of this, and I'll do that over the next few days. But I want to, to start with the thought that after about eight days, eight, eight becomes the number of resurrection because seven is a week. An eighth day is a brand new week. And so we're looking at the possibility of a brand new creation. Peter, James, and John are invited up there to pray, which is to meditate, to watch. And as Jesus prays, he is altered. But what happens in transfiguration is that which is on the inside becomes visible on the outside. It is not Jesus taking on a quality he doesn't have. It's Jesus showing the quality he already has. The phrase metamorpho is where we get metamorphosis. A metamorphosis is whenever that caterpillar becomes a butterfly, but it's not anything outside of what the caterpillar was destined to do. It's what the caterpillar really is coming into fruition. And so transfiguration is what we really are coming into fruition. All right, more from this amazing story tomorrow. God bless.